0: So I had been curious about CBD for some time, and it was one evening, my late husband and I were out driving around, out and about, probably going to dinner, and I noticed a store that was fairly new in the area, and I said I wanted to stop by and just check it out. And so I went into the store. I met this lady named Lori. Turns out she was the owner of this store, and... Her and I connected immediately. I started asking questions because I was really struggling with sleep and I wanted to try something that could help. And she took so much time with me, explained everything to me, difference with gummies versus drops. And from that point on, her and I just kind of connected as friends. She got in touch with me when she had, learned about my husband's passing and she was so kind and wonderful and warm and supportive the whole way. I have just been, you know, I don't even know how to explain it when people can be so helpful and caring. And I was just talking with her the other day about her business and I said, you know what? I want to tell everybody about your store on my podcast. So the name of her store is called Real Leaf and it's R-E-E-L-E-A-F. And their website is R-E-E-L-E-A-F-N-W, as in Real Leaf Northwest. And I wanted just to share it with all of you, um, that she has some amazing knowledge, amazing products. I was blown away by her knowledge and the things she had to offer and what she taught me. And this is a locally owned store here in Vancouver, Washington. It's her and her husband, Mike. And... it is just, I can't even express how wonderful these people are. And I want you to have the opportunity to learn what I learned. They are saying that 2022 is the year of wellness and that their team at RealLeaf look forward to a new full year of health, balance, and rejuvenation. At Real Leaf, they believe in a balanced holistic approach to wellness. So a few of the things that they currently offer are lotions and tinctures, edibles, CBD for pets, and having five dogs and traveling, or even the fireworks during the holidays, that helps. Novelties and just overall wellness. And you can look at their website. Again, that's realleaf R E E L. E-A-F-N-W.com. Currently, right now, if you use code SPRING25, you'll get 25% off when you purchase two or more of their tinctures or lotions. So check them out. Again, their website is realleafnorthwest.com. And that's R E E L E A F N W.com. And don't forget, if you visit their store or even place an order online, to let them know that Rebecca has sent you their way. Check it out, realleafnw.com. R E E L E A F N W.com. Raw truth: Stories of Female Infidelity May Contain Explicit and Questionable Content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster and are not based on the advice of a licensed psychologist, therapist, or a psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly recommended. What does ponder actually mean? Well, according to one dictionary, it means to weigh in the mind, to think about and reflect on. On our Let's Ponder episodes that are shared on the Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity podcast, we discuss taboo and questionable subject matter. For example, size. Does it really matter? Or do you really want to know the number of partners your significant other has been with? How about being in a sexless marriage? These and other topics are what we talk about on Let's Ponder. Welcome to Let's Ponder on Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. This is Rebecca. Thank you for being here. So today we're going to actually talk a little bit about a lady that I have seen pop up on Twitter quite a bit. Um, And her name is Teresa and it is what we're going to go by. It may be her real name. I don't know. But she has given me permission to share information she actually has a book i believe and this book is basically about it's it's like an adultery academy i believe is what she's saying and if you want to cheat how to cheat and as you all know my podcast does not condone infidelity but we do talk about it And I'm not condoning this. I just found it very interesting that there are people out there who do very much believe in if you're going to cheat, here's how you do it. And back in, I think it was July or something like that of 2020, I had interviewed with um, Ashley Madison. Again, it wasn't me condoning. It's just learning about this person or their company and the whys behind it. So I spoke with her via email on Twitter and she was more than happy for me to share her information on here. Um, I just thought it would be real interesting for people to understand why she came to this uh, point of where she felt, okay, I'm going to help other women who may not know where to start, um, which is again, kind of different for us, uh, but I felt, you know what? We ponder things. We talk about it on this part of the podcast. So we're going to learn a little bit about that. But first I wanted to discuss a little feedback that I had. Um, I had this person email me. Let me see here. I think that they are actually on a, um, they follow me on Patreon um, and it is from a gentleman because as you know, the Patreon has the main stories of what men went through when their wives or um, female counterparts were unfaithful. So I received this email last week and he has agreed for me to share. And of course, leaving his name out of it. So it says, I've been meaning to email you for a few days now. I'm a 55 year old guy from the UK, staying in central London for work. So finally had a few moments to respond. I am a wayward spouse and a betrayed spouse and wanted to say how much I enjoyed your podcast Patreon output. I spent the last few weeks listening to the various stories while driving mostly and just wanted to say how much I appreciate the sometimes raw honesty of the contributors. I'm an atheist, so I don't believe there's any particular plan, but I do think in both the wayward and betrayed accounts, you relate there are so many people and couples out there that are struggling, damaged, holding on to trauma, and unable to communicate or navigate their feelings and desires effectively. I've read about two thirds of, quote, why has nobody not told me this before, end quote, by Dr. Julie Smith. I highly recommend it. It occurred to me while reading that we would do a lot for our kids if we gave them proper communication and negotiation skills, gave them proper sex education, and prepared them better to hold their boundaries and speak their truths with confidence. I think society really needs to think again about marriage. To me, the concept of civil partnerships, ethical non-monogamy consensual polyamory, as well as other social partnering should be considered on equal terms. Just a few random thoughts and thank you once again for your hard work. So I uh, messaged him back thanking him for supporting me of the show and agreeing, you know, I mean, at one point, I mean, I, I, I don't feel um, that we should talk about this to young children but um, as they get into their teens and learning sex education and things like that understanding that there are different types of relationships and I understand that every parent is gonna decide what's best for their children and that's where I fall so you know as parents we do what we feel is best but I I can see his points um, and you know I it wouldn't hurt, I guess, and this is just my opinion, um, to share the risks of infidelity and things like that, so that they're kind of aware that these kinds of things happen. It's not like forever, uh, you know, happily ever after type of a thing. But anyway, so I thanked him for the, you know, his, his email and all of that, to which he came back. Rebecca, thanks for the response. Really unexpected. I suspect you get a lot of email, but greatly appreciated. I will consider contributing, but can make no promises. I'm not sure I'm ready yet. I agree. It does give me a perspective that being a betrayed spouse or wayward spouse only doesn't. Good luck, love and strength to you. I know you've had tough times and your own struggles, and just wanted you to know you and your work is appreciated and valued. Also, that thousands of people you will never meet love you and love your work are. And I get these things, and I just want to cry, because it means that what I'm doing is right. No matter how many people are out there saying, this is horrible, how dare you do this, without really looking at what the podcast is about, um... Those don't matter. You who are listening, who this has helped, that's what matters. And always, I'm so appreciative and thank every single one of you who support this. Send in your stories. Send me emails. It warms my heart. You have no idea. Thank you. On Twitter, there is this beautiful picture of this woman. She's sitting by a lake or river facing the water with long red hair. You just see her back. Her name is Teresa J. Conway. What she writes is, This is more about TJC than me. You'll never know me. Here's the back of me. Love my hair in this one. Someone's daughter said I looked like a mermaid. What you need to know first and foremost is I'm a writer who cheats, and not a cheater who writes. I write other things that are mostly boring, analytical, and bureaucratic. I am paid handsomely for that and the policy advice I provide to senior government decision makers. Sorry, but no, I'm not a lawyer. I'm smarter than that. Teresa, my actual first name, Jay Conway, was born in an airport in the summer of 2018 while I was waiting to switch planes two days after I realized I was completely alone in the world. TJC wouldn't find her legs until I wrote and self-published my first erotica story and opened a Twitter account that fall. She has been my wicked and sexy alter ego ever since. There are only two people in the world who know both of us my oldest friend, and my lover. I'm not alone anymore, and while TJC hasn't fully achieved her goals, her voice has come a long way. I'm proud of her, and I wish her every success in the world. Here's how Teresa Nobody became TJC. I've been married for 26 years, and things were going well until 12 years ago. My husband began developing symptoms and was later diagnosed with a neurodegenerative disorder. Since then, we've had sex five or six times, with the last time being in 2014. One morning during the summer of 2018, I woke up to the realization I'd never have sex again if I didn't do something about it. Within a week, I signed up for Ashley Madison and began chatting with a few guys. God, it was so hot. They brought me back to life. I sent my first nude that summer and traded masturbation videos with a man who would become my long-term affair partner. I was 47 but felt 20. I was so horny I couldn't concentrate at work. I'd broken every internet-based mom rule in the book and I didn't care. My Book in Writing Throughout the fall and winter, I researched adultery and collected notes as I went because I was deathly afraid of getting caught while learning the ropes. I eventually turned those notes into a book I self-published called How to Cheat, Field Notes from an Adulterist, based on my professional and adulterous experience. I have written extensively about adultery on Medium for The Scarlet Letter, who I edit for, and have published other sexy pieces in Sex and Satire and Hard Affairs. I'm very proud to say my book and writings have become the adultery resources I was looking for when I first stepped out. Maybe I wasn't looking hard enough, but I couldn't find a practical guide on cheating. Like it or not, people cheat, and I'm happy to help them do it, safely. Helping Writers I also have my own publication, The Story Smith, where I help women learn medium. I don't publish stories there, but use it to show women how to submit a publication and give other medium tips, as well as giving them advice on writing and storytelling. I've collected a number of interesting medium and writing articles there to keep them handy. I probably do this to assuage my guilt, but really, life is shitty enough for women, so I help them pro bono in a safe space to get them started. COVID in my sex life. Having regular-ish sex and the intimacy over the last two years has returned a joy to my life and made it easier to deal with my family situation. Until COVID struck. The pandemic has dampened my sex life severely because we live on top of each other. I'm working from home, so it's hard to get out because I've always got eyes on me. It's almost impossible to come up with credible cover stories to meet my lover, but we've scraped by. We now meet about once every four to six weeks, whereas before the pandemic, it was weekly. I miss my affair partner because it's been hard to live without his touch. My plan is to keep writing and helping people with their adultery questions until I get caught or bored. Why I wrote How to Cheat, Field Notes from an Adulteress. Following a massive security fuck-up early in my cheating life, I started researching my book, How to Cheat, Field Notes from an Adulteress. I had no idea what I was doing other than knowing my goals was to have sex. Having sex is easy for a woman, so it wasn't just sex, but the right type of sex with the right person. Even though I was desperate and had gone nine years without sex, I knew, as all women do, having sex with the first person I saw would be a mistake. I'd like to spin this tale to say I did my research first, then had an affair, but the reality is I got on Ashley Madison, met my now long-term affair partner, started having sexy times, and then began figuring out the best to have an affair. The third anniversary of our sex date is this September 13th. We began chatting on September 3rd and moved off Ashley Madison to email not long after. And that's when I breached my security. I'd sent my first email to my lover from an email account in my name. He was surprised. I was surprised. That's not how things are done in Cheaterland. Knowing my name meant he could have owned me. He could have blackmailed me, extorted money, demanded sex, or destroyed my life. You see, I had a throwaway email account, but the morning I emailed him, I was not only excited but half asleep. That's when I knew I needed to sort my shit out. I've worked in government for a long time and in many roles, and at one point I took a slight career detour to work as a security program officer. Less exciting than it sounds, I was responsible for conducting on-site physical security assessments, make asset protection plans, writing threat risk assessments, and teaching personal security awareness measures to government employees going overseas on business. This last one included basic stuff. Companies and foreign governments target government workers for corporate espionage purposes. The cloak and dagger stuff is over, and now they want access to data, contract details, statements of work, and technology. Our people need the elementary skills to spot and avoid trouble. We taught pickpocket awareness. They lost wallets. We taught them how to protect documents. They lost them. We taught them to avoid public transportation. They were hurt in bus accidents. We taught them to vary their routes daily to avoid patterns. They were roughed up on street corners because they took the same route every day. My favorite was explaining to fat balding middle-aged bureaucrats that the sexy young woman chatting them up in Beijing, Havana, Moscow, Lima, hotel bars were doing it because they liked fat balding middle-aged men. Of course, they'd all laugh and agreed they'd spot that one a mile away, but a surprising number didn't when the time came. Why didn't they? Honeypot traps work. I've long since returned to my HR roots, but I never forgot what I learned doing security work, so I figured there was nothing more to learn, but I'd committed the cardinal sin of security complacency. Complacency kills. As soon as you start thinking you know it all, it's time to wake up. I was so confident I wouldn't screw up. I screwed up one of my first contacts. I was mortified and deeply concerned by my lapse. So, that September in 2018 morning, I got up, dusted myself off, and started researching cheating because I wasn't going to let it happen again. And that's when my book, How to Cheat Field Notes from an Adulteress, got its start. That was really interesting, and I, I do appreciate her candor with it. So I was looking through her stuff more because I was interested in sharing it with you, and this specific article uh, caught my eye and, uh, as I was looking more into her work. So this is from The Scarlet Letter, Adultery Academy. His wife's affair in my thoughts, like they say, it takes one to know one. Teresa J. Conway, December 29, 2021. When Ron reached out a year ago, I was a little nervous and didn't know what to expect. His wife had had an affair several decades before and he wanted my advice. Ron had discovered it at the time, but then repressed it for a long time. The memory and with it, the pain had just resurfaced when Ron reached out. He was having difficulty dealing with it and wondered if talking to a cheater would help. Ron wanted to know what my perspective on his wife's cheating was. Okay, I thought, uh, let's see what I can do. Ron started telling me his story. Background Like many who came of age in the 1960s, Ron fell in love with and married his high school sweetheart without any previous sexual experience. However, early on, her college friends had suggested to Ron that he was not paying Lynn enough sexual attention. Ron also revealed that he had had a low libido. Early in their marriage, Ron and Lynn had a threesome with one of Ron's friends, which didn't go so well for Ron. Lynn and his friend did what some do during a threesome and failed to share their attention equally with Ron. The same man lived with Ron and Lynn for four months several years later. One night when Ron came home, he discovered the unmistakable signs of sex between the two on a couch. At that time, Ron confronted Lynn and she admitted to having sex with a friend but stated they'd only been together once. Ron never saw or suspected any signs Lynn was unfaithful again, with a friend or anyone else. My observations. That Ron and Lynn had a threesome with a friend doesn't mean an open invitation was extended to him. While I'd say what Lynn does with her body is her business. I agree she had an obligation to Ron, which she breached. That breach was a problem, but it had nothing to do with the previous consensual sex. I'm sure many people will point to the threesome and say, there you go, it was your fault, but I don't. The threesome was an agreement between Ron and Lynn. Ron did not agree to any subsequent sex between the two. Ron's main concern was that Lynn denied any other cheating and didn't satisfy his demand for more details about her affair. She eventually refused to talk about it all, despite Ron's obvious pain. That's when he turned to me and asked what I thought. My conclusions about Lynn. My thought was that Lynn wasn't truthful. In my experience, all having illicit sex does is open the door for more. Cheating gets easier, not harder, each time you do it. If Lynn had previously complained about Ron's low libido and had a positive experience with a friend, then it's unlikely Ron just happened to to discover the only time they had sex, but it was perhaps the first time. One assumes you just don't happen to forget to clean up the physical signs of sex around the house halfway through the affair. To me, it seems improbable it was the last time though. I don't see her refusing advances or not seek sex when they are alone. As Ron says, they often were because he worked shifts. My guess is that when Ron caught Lynn, she got better at hiding the evidence. The end game. Ultimately, Ron spoke with a friend who only admitted to the one encounter. Unfortunately, that seemed to seal the discussion as there was nowhere else to go. After we went through the story, I finally asked Ron what he expected learning the details would do. And asked why it mattered if he got Lynn's full confession. Cheating once isn't better than cheating 20 times, and I wasn't confident that the details would help him. Imagine if she opened the floodgates and disclosed 30 years worth of cheating with a dozen men. What good could come of that? None. I then asked what his plan was beyond having Lynn confess. Getting the details is one thing, but then what? Ron had focused on the details for most of our discussion, but we spent little time considering what came next. Admittedly, Ron hadn't reached out for that advice. There are only ever two options, stay or go. And if it's stay, then the options become the status quo or work on the marriage. I'm not sure leaving was ever something Ron considered and to his credit, he began working on their relationship and still is. The most significant step was Ron recognizing he wasn't meeting Lynn's sexual needs. What else did Ron have to say? The following email was lightly edited for length. December 28th, 2021. My thoughts on your self-help post from today. Since I sent you the link to the post by the woman wanting to know how to keep her affair hidden, I've been thinking about the harmful aspect of cheating. I have experienced the pain of discovery twice, the first time and then when the repressed memory came back, while only knowing about the one event. I've realized that the hurt that I felt was brought on solely by discovering the affair. I would have not felt that pain if I had not known about the affair. So that leads me to the understanding that if Lynn had known what was in your book, she might not have been discovered that night and I would not have suffered harm. While our marriage survived the discovery, it would have survived had I never found out and I would not have been hurt. My conclusion is that I would rather have not known about the affair. Aside from the pain, my life would not be any different. If cheating is going to happen, then doing it well from my point of keeping it hidden effectively eliminates the harm suffered by the betrayed person. Takeaway If life is going to be the same either way, and the cheater wants that, then hiding the affair will save pain. I'm not here to pass judgment as many would and often do, but I feel for Ron and can't help but think that he's right, not knowing is better if the outcome will be the same. And that's the end game I asked Ron about. If the plan is to stay together, why not skip to that and leave the details behind? All hearing about other encounters would have done is pushed the future further away. Names in some circumstances have been changed to protect those mentioned in this story. In case anyone was interested, Ron's email was used with permission. So that is Teresa J. Conway and a little bit about her history and why she chose to uh, publish her book. Um, if anybody is interested in her book or anything she has to say or her blogs or anything like that. I will have a link in my episode notes so you can check her out. Again, though, because of the uh, podcast and how we share stories of women who are unfaithful in situations, as well as the men's stories of what they went through, I'm not condoning infidelity. Again, and I just am covering my own butt because I don't want people coming back and saying, but you, but you. I always try to be as open as possible to look at different things on these Let's Ponder episodes. So just because I'm putting it on here doesn't necessarily mean that it's something I support or agree with. As you guys know, it's all about no judgment. This is her life. This is what she has chosen to do. I found it very interesting and I chose to share it with you. Thank you so much for listening today. We will be back next week with an all-new story about Chrissy. On Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, I share stories of women who have been unfaithful to their spouse or partner. I give them a safe space to be able to explain what happened and why they chose the direction of infidelity. I also feel it is just as important to understand what the betrayed husband or partner faced when they uncovered the truth. She walked in all happy like everything was normal. When she saw me sitting at the desk, she knew something was wrong from the look on my face. When she asked me what was wrong, she walked over to my side and saw what I was looking at. She looked sick and started crying. I asked her to tell me what this was. She fell to her knees and started begging for forgiveness. After what seemed like an eternity, she composed herself and tried to explain, but I cut her short and said, was there any more? And she froze. I have known her for 20 years and the look on her face told all I needed to know. I told her to pull everything up she had and show it to me. She started crying again and said it would only hurt me more. I told her it was too late for that and if she didn't do it, I would walk out forever. To hear bonus stories of the men's discovery of female infidelity in their relationship and have early access to regular episodes ad-free, subscribe to my Patreon by visiting my website, RawTruthStoriesOfFemaleInfidelity.com. Subscription pledges start as low as $3 a month. Thank you for listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of the podcast is truly appreciated. Be sure to visit my website at rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. There, you will find story guides to help form your story, where you can subscribe to Patreon, and an opportunity to vote for the podcast to be in the Hot 50 countdown for Podcast Magazine. To submit your story, share feedback about the show, or if you have a Let's Ponder suggestion, please email it to Rebecca.RawTruth at gmail.com or mail to Rebecca Adams, P.O. Box 821064, Vancouver, Washington 98682. Each story is taken into careful consideration, read without judgment, and always anonymous. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is written, produced, and edited by me, Rebecca Adams. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Be kind to one another, be kind to yourself, and always remember, no judgment. Goodbye.